0: All right,
1: welcome on to, oddly enough, one of our highest rated podcasts of the year when we talk about everyone's performance in Summer League. And sadly, we couldn't do that last year because there wasn't a Summer League last year. But this year, you and I both spent plenty of time there. And now we've had a chance to catch up on some of the film and stats as well. Now, our goal here is to talk to some extent about pretty much every roster player in Summer League. We may not get to every single one. Some of them are just not as important there are so many of them particularly guys who you know may end up getting cut you know we're talking mostly about guys who are on guaranteed contracts here guys who played in the nba last year but obviously we'll get to all the first round draft picks this year all of the guys who got playing time who came back this year as well It's going to be a little bit haphazard because our our scouting, we were able to see more of some teams in person than others. We're not done with all of our scouting yet, so forget There's not going to be an amazing order to this. We're going to go in a rough alphabetical order among the teams that we have watched, but the show notes will say which teams we have done and which we still have left to to do if you're wondering where your team is and where we're going to get to that. So why don't we get started here, Danny? Haven't watched quite enough of the Hawks guys yet, but let's begin with the Brooklyn Nets.
2: Yeah, so the Brooklyn Nets, uh, a pretty interesting group because remember that they ended up getting two first round picks. They had 27 and 29. So we could start with the 27th pick, which is Cam Thomas. Cam Thomas went to LSU. And the first thing I noticed about Thomas was I I think I said something because he was somebody we didn't watch film on. I said something that I think I was sitting next to Pelton at that point and i said oh man i bet this guy took a lot of bad shots in college because he kind of he had some of that and i don't mean that necessarily in a bad way about thomas because he he has a lot of talent but you could see like for me it was to an extent with somebody like a former sec player anthony edwards was like oh if you can tone that part out of his game there's a lot here that i really like
1: yeah and one of those big things is getting to the foul line uh, that's something that he does a lot he's an advanced bullshit foul jar but also it gets to the basket uh, as well and um, we, we've seen a lot of guys where, hey, you know, all right, I'm willing to just take any jump shot and you know guys are going to shoot at least a reasonable percentage on that a lot of the time. And so is he just a, a chucker? That's kind of been the assessment of him in some quarters. And when it comes to passing the ball, that's absolutely accurate. He does not pass the ball whatsoever. He had 109 possessions that were either shot attempts or turnovers and only had eight assists throughout his summer league time. So That was not too amazing. But when we talk about the things that he can do as a scorer, it's pretty impressive. He's got that strong body. He can get to the basket more than a lot of players like that. He's also younger than a lot of players like that as well. And So the question with him really becomes, can he translate the shot making that he showed, the foul drawing and getting to the basket that he showed, to an NBA setting where there's a lot more athleticism and also where obviously he's not going to be featured the way he was in college and in summer league
2: right and there are there are two things that make me encouraged by it and one was the first thing other than the the shot taking that I noticed about Cam Thomas that I appreciated about him was that he does get into guys defensively he's not a great defender but he he he's intent intentional and I think he has enough physical talent to do to do that at least a little bit and so that's a way that a player who's we're not sure whether he's primary or secondary or tertiary can stay on the floor and can can help out his team I don't and so that was that was a positive for me and and the other one is that while there are some mechanic things that I don't love about Cam Thomas's jump shot, he did make his free throws and his threes, and like he he was also able to score reasonably effectively in a variety of ways. He was I, I thought he was spot ups looked looked pretty good. He was able to you know a lot of what he was doing on pick and rolls, which Brooklyn wanted him to do. A lot of that was creating shots for himself, and those those went in. And so like, I I think that. I'm not totally sold that he'll be able to do it against NBA athletes, especially not right now. Um, But I think that Thomas, especially if he can get into that mindset, can can become maybe a low, like he could start as kind of like a low level support player. And then if he does well and works hard in practice and can really grow his game, then Brooklyn's a hard spot for this. But then he can, you know, take on more responsibilities as Thomas gets to be, you know, like 22, 21 even maybe because he's only 19 right now.
1: Yeah, and if you had to guess where he ends up in terms of his profile, it's probably as more of a bench score type, particularly when you look at the creation. But he's able to take some deep threes. You mentioned his form. He kind of shoots it off his left hip. But he's got that big body so he can create space for himself. And he gets good power on his shot so he can shoot it from deep uh, and it even you know, shoot step backs, get his legs underneath him very well on his shot. And he also has pretty good craft in pick and roll. He had 32 possessions as the pick and roll ball handler and uh, average a point per possession, which obviously is outstanding anywhere, particularly in summer league, where a lot of times it's just set him up, set up the pins, and try and knock him down with a pick and roll. There's not a lot of intricate action and second side stuff happening. And he also got to the rim out of pick and roll a, a fair amount. Now, he didn't finish on those plays when he didn't get fouled. You know that He does not have a ton of explosion. He's reliant on that foul drawing. And in college, of course, that was what propped up his efficiency uh, a lot as well. But he does have good craft and pick and roll. It's just he doesn't have great natural vision. And he also doesn't have the type of get on top of the defense so fast that he can force emergency help and have openings created that are so obvious that he can take advantage of them even with his limited passing ability. But they're... Our chances for guys to evolve that way in the NBA, I mean, it still seems like he's going to be kind of a Vinny Johnson-esque sort of scorer, if you had to peg the most likely outcome, but certainly within the realm of what we thought he was, he came in, did everything that you could ask him to do, basically led Summer League in scoring on average about 34 points per 36 minutes and did it with relatively decent efficiency what what were some of his top line numbers uh, before we move on
2: I mean, the, the counting stats were ridiculous because Cam Thomas averaged 27 points a game in four summer league games, but 27 points on 20 field goal attempts, 19.5, um, 36% on six threes, 85% on about 10 free throw attempts per game, but only, as you mentioned, two assists, a little bit over a steal, a little bit over a rebound. So yeah, he was he was very productive, but also was doing it on, on high volume. Um, let me see if I can pull.
1: I, I believe Real GM does do two true shooting. Yeah. Yeah, it was 50, um, 57% percent. I I got it in front yeah. of me here, but yeah, and so he was twelve out of thirty three on jumpers off the dribble. Didn't really get any catch and shoot looks, which is something that he might get more of. But he did drain the ones that he got, and you know was able to take threes off the dribble in pretty impressive fashion. And so again, I mean, the jump shot's got to go in. Can he create the space against? longer defenders can he get this foul drawing going still which props up his efficiency again without that he would have been well below average in terms of efficiency and you know we know it again that summer league this is the type of player a bucket getter off the dribble who is set up to sign in or shine in summer league with the the relative lack of structure who else do we need to talk about here on the nets
2: well, so the other prominent player to, that we wanted to evaluate is, is De'Ron Sharp. And Sharp, another one of the guys that went to Montford with Cade and with Moses Moody and with Johnny Barnes. And so the fourth, I believe, maybe fifth, but I believe fourth first round pick from that group. Big guy, 6'11, 265, and went, it was the 29th pick in this year's draft. And what I, the first thing that struck me about him was what I would call his high level of inertia, where it took Sharp a long time to get going. And I think part of that is he's a big dude, but another part of it is that his his reactions, his instincts were a little bit slow. So like if he needed to get out to a player or if he needed to change ends, it just, it didn't, like he, he once he got moving, he moved okay, but it just took him a little while to get started. And I think some of that will hone with time, not only the physical development that NBA teams do, but also the mental development that big men have a lot that they have to do. But I think to, when I saw when I saw that it it made me think that it it might be a little while for until he can make an impact on the nets. Unlike Cam Thomas, who I think
1: can step into something pretty quickly, so he's not like a Caleb Swanigan type of pick. Like it's not that bad. Just and and again, Caleb Swanigan also had the problem that he wasn't necessarily as good at the things that they wanted him that he supposedly was good at. But just in terms of structurally what he is as a player. It's difficult to see how he fits into the modern game. And another guy that I, I thought of, of course, another great rebounder out of North Carolina because Sharps, that's the one thing he did do at, at an elite yes. late rate was uh rebound. And so I, I thought that that looked great. I mean, what did he have, like 15 offensive rebounds in like uh, over four games and 18 minutes a game, something like that? Uh, that was really impressive. Averaged.
2: Yeah, he had 15 offensive rebounds in 80 minutes played.
1: Yeah. and that's a uh, lot. Yeah, 18% offensive rebounds, which, you know, that would lead the league. Uh, But the problem, so the other guy I compared him to, also a great offensive rebounder, was Tony Bradley. But Tony Bradley is a lot bigger and longer than DeRon Sharp is. And and Bradley can affect guys at the rim defensively when he's in position. Sharp only has like a seven-foot wingspan, And, and... I agree with you. You know, he's got a little bit of skill putting the ball on the floor, but he's not at blowing by anybody. He's not getting separation. I mean, maybe he can get stronger and kind of bully guys around a little bit in the post, but I didn't really see him uh, as having much explosion. He really struggled to finish inside uh, for this player type. 51% true shooting is poor. He took a couple of threes. Maybe that's something that can become a, a part of his game uh, eventually. But you just kind of wonder, like, how does this guy survive offensively? He's not really explosive off the pick and roll. I mean, he's got wonderful hands, and that's part of why he gets all these rebounds. But other than rebounding, I just I I can't say I really saw him show much in these games.
2: Well, it's going to be fascinating to see. So there was this run at the end of the first and beginning of the second of of bigs in some variety. So you have Sharp, Sante Aldama, Isaiah Todd and Robinson Earl. And like generally speaking, you know, for me, I I have a I, I, you know, I want a lot from bigs and Todd and some of the other guys can play the four as well. And we'll see how those picks work out compared to some of the smaller guys that went a little bit after that. I also want to note that Sharp is, he's also 19th right now. He'll turn 20 pretty early in his rookie year. So it'll be his age 20 basketball reference season. Anything else on him or do you want to move on?
1: No, let's move on. Uh,
2: Kessler Edwards, second round pick, 44th overall. uh, Went to Pepperdine two years. So he's also pretty young. Well, he's 21 already. It'll be his age 21 season and he's going to be on a two-way for the nets and you know like he i I mean i think that he he had some he showed some athleticism had a couple little athletic sparks and i think the big question for me is going to be how well can he hit shots because if he can hit shots then there might be something there with that um and we'll we'll see
1: yeah he's power forward size you know, just under a seven-foot wingspan, six-foot-eight. You know, I thought he was pretty explosive off a of 2 feet. He had one big dunk over a guy where he took off uh, almost from, like, uh, the block. That looked pretty good. You know, his shot is this—it's not quite Kevin Martin because no one will be Kevin Martin with their shot for But, you know, he kind of really leans forward, shoots it, beginning it down by his stomach. Uh, but was able to shoot from deep and you know, looked comfortable from out there. But this is a pick that, in contrast to Sharp— I understood the point of it, right? He, he's got athleticism, at least some shooting potential. And if if you can make that guy into someone who can move his feet and defend his position, shoot threes, and then finish around the basket when he gets set up, you know, you could do a little bit of attacking off the dribble at this point in time. You kind of get that sort of a player. Um so uh, anything else you wanted to add on him
2: no i didn't i didn't really have anything else but we can well let's, to,
1: let, let's we can give some stats on on him briefly. oh sure so
2: oh yeah so the concern for me i mean when I, I brought up like if he can shoot was that also edwards didn't do great from two he was 31 percent from the field overall in four games 35 or sorry 31 from three 35 from the field and so you have to you have to convert that a little bit I said some of that was just he, t- he took some shots that were a little bit ambitious but
1: yeah i mean he, edwards, he he didn't play that much either I mean, we Talking about yeah, twenty-three minutes a game. Yeah, eight out of twenty-three. The sort of player again, where he's not—he's not something that you expect to be creating his own shot uh, at the NBA level. And uh, nineteen, or actually, no, I should say, twenty-three of his thirty attempts were either spot up transition or cuts and then he had three offensive rebounds as well and then two as the pick and roll roll man so he did absolutely nothing basically in terms of self created stuff but that's fine you know again yep. if he could be athletic and can make shots you know he's going to be a project but one who, who has some raw tools
2: we could go to uh marcus zagorowski zeg- who was the 49th pick out of uh played played for creighton and I, I i don't know i i mean i think we'll so we haven't heard yet what what his sp- is going to be whether he's going to get a two-way on the nets i haven't heard anything yet at least um yeah he's going to get two-way on the nets and uh, the concern for me is that he's you know has has pretty good size for a point guard 6'1", 6'2, but doesn't have the pop athletically and so that means you have to be either a really good shooter or really good passer or both and i per, in the limited amount of time we got to see him he only played god it was like he only played in a couple of games like I, I think that it's gonna it's gonna take something for him to work
1: Yeah, only 29 possessions uh, per synergy. Uh, Yeah, I I agree with you. It's a little slow. When he'd get into the lane... He didn't have that many turnovers, but his turnovers were due to a lack of passing accuracy on the move, where he just threw bad passes to guys that were off target, spot up shooters. Now, he did show some intrigue coming off of screens off the ball uh, on like one baseline out of bounds. He popped out to the corner and shot one on the move. So uh, yeah, being a, a really good shooter, maybe that could unlock a little bit more of his penetration game, but someone I would characterize as a below average athlete at the NBA level.
2: And then the Nets also had another second round pick. They took Raquan Gray. Um, he barely played in summer league, so I, I didn't. I didn't really have any thoughts. He only played like thirty minutes in total, and I think I. I think I only saw like maybe five to ten of those in person. Went to Florida State.
1: Yeah, and they also had Reggie Perry back, and don't need to talk about him too much. But holy shit, were his stats bad? He was six out of twenty eight uh, from the field, and. Perry is he was 0 for 8 as a pick and roll roll man and you know I can't say I focused uh, on him too much but you know a lot of what he's supposed to do is finishing uh, around the rim he took 12 jumpers in the half court he only made one out of them but was 5 of 13 around the rim as well so uh, not a great run uh, for him in in summer league because obviously he's going to be pressured by some of these other picks to maintain a spot on the And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code Capspace. Use the word Capspace. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O, Indochino.com. And don't forget that Capspace code to let them know that you came from us cluster
2: okay so i think we've made it through the nets we can go to the charlotte hornets who also had a lot of different players to evaluate they had two first round picks book Knight and kai jones they had a couple of high profile second round picks as well um so i'm assuming you want to start with mr james book Knight?
1: yeah let's do that and book Knight it was on the wrong end of a davion mitchell's highlight reel when they played the kings mitchell mitchell just made his life absolutely miserable just honestly like to the point where book Knight even was giving like he would get the ball in the late clock and you know he'd try to make a move he'd get cut off he'd try to make another move he'd get cut off and almost just like gave up even though he like had to get a shot off he still just was like i I can't do this (laughs) uh now davion mitchell uh, i mean mike Schmitz called him the best perimeter defender he's ever evaluated and mitchell of course we'll talk more about him later but uh, lived up to that in terms of his one-on-one defense Uh, and for book night you know we didn't see a ton of flashes he he did get going i think that was in the bulls game uh, a little bit you know you see some of the monte ellis uh, comparisons for book night and you know, his finishing around the rim in the half court was pretty good, 13 out of 22. I mean, that was one of the things that really stood out on his college field for a, a guard who's getting to the basket at, at his size. That's a, a very good number. He shows some creativity in his finishing. That's important. But there was this idea that perhaps he was going to be a very good shooter that he's shooting the cover off the ball in workouts and you know in his defense you know we didn't see him much as a catch and shoot guy in college and we didn't see him do hardly any catch and shoot here he was 3 out of 5 uh, on catch and shoots all of them were 3 so those numbers were good uh but only 4 out of 17 on jumpers off the dribble and you know he's going to need to be very good at those again you know we're talking about a small sample here even smaller than usual uh, with this truncated summer league and somebody was going up against Mitchell so you know, I think if you really liked Book Knight coming in, you didn't see anything that scared you, but you also didn't see enough from him as a shooter to make you feel like, oh, you know, his struggles shooting the ball in college, again, on a pretty low sample, right? He only played, what, 15 games this last year to make you think like, oh yeah, this guy, he's what he supposedly did in workouts trumps what he's done statistically thus far. He really kind of fit more into that latter category in summer league.
2: Yeah, and making 70% of his modest free throw attempts, like Booknight ended summer league, including that, of course, that Davion Mitchell game, 15% or sorry, 15 per 52 percent true shooting on about twenty eight usage had the ball in his hands a lot. And I also I wish he got into guys a little bit more defensively because I, I brought this up with Cam Thomas earlier. And is that there are different ways that a guy can actually get on the floor when he's not good enough to do the things that he's going to be best at later on, which I, I hope I'm hopeful that Book Knight can do. Also Book Knight, uh he's 20 right now, but he'll turn twenty one before the start of next season
1: was an older
2: one and done. Um which is fine. But that's just it, it is a no, little, I think it he is did little, I think he
1: did play in a pre- previous year then he was injured all last year
2: oh that might have been what it was yeah yeah oh yeah you're right he played in 1920 i apologize i got that i had that wrong in my head um and so uh yeah so so book night yeah i mean and it's it's hard for me because he was somebody that i really didn't like the film on and so i like to have that and then this there there was more positive here than honestly than there was in the film for me Um, but it is it is going to take some time and it's too early to compare any of these gentlemen to the players who were around on the board will will probably start doing that towards the end of their rookie years but we'll we'll have to see um the next
1: well we'll quick quickly just to finish up a book night you know he didn't show a lot from like an intensity level you and there are and He's an inexperienced player given his age. You know, he normally would have had three years of college at his age. And there is a spot at backup shooting guard in the rotation. You know, they did bring in Ish Smith behind LaMelo and Terry Rozier, but they're probably... It looks like he's headed for fourth guard status and he's going to get some entitlement minutes at the start, but they also got Hayward and Ubre, And so it's trending, especially based on what we saw here so far that I don't expect him to be a significant tri- contributor this year. But obviously, that can that can always change as he gets a, his feet wet a little bit more. But for a guy who's this old when he's drafted, you would hope that he would be able to give you something this year.
2: Yeah, that, that would be the hope. Um, So we can go to Kai Jones. And Jones, somebody that I only saw fleetingly in film because he played at Texas. And I, I saw some Texas when I was watching other guys. And what stood out for him at that point was his athleticism and the the Hornets traded a future protected first to get the 19th pick I believe that was from the Knicks I can't remember for sure and they they drafted Kai Jones and he was bigger than I expected physically like I thought Kai Jones was going to be more of a pure four I think he could play some small ball five especially if Jones put some weight on his frame but he definitely has uh definitely has athleticism and then the other thing that I wanted to kind of start with that was surprising to me is that he had more skill than I expected with the ball in his hands. Now, I don't think Kai Jones is the next Bam out of bio or anything like that, but I did like that there were a couple times where he made good decisions, where he, like, moved the ball to the right place. He made that decision relatively quickly. And James Brigo has changes things around defensively and sometimes offensively. So players that can make good decisions can often do well in his stuff. And so I think, I like, I saw it more offensively, but oftentimes the players who do it one way can do it the other way.
1: Does deciding when to take a jump shot count as a decision?
2: It does, but I wasn't counting that when I was praising him.
1: (laughs) Because he is really someone that could be a very maddening player. Now, the theory of him, you really like, right? I agree with you. You know, he's bigger than expected. One of the bigger wingspans, 7'2 in this class. And what he really can load up the athleticism is impressive right like he did a he had a euro step into a dunk and transition that looked really really good now in his time at texas that athleticism didn't translate maybe into as many blocks and steals as you would have liked to to see uh the decision making like he tried to take a step back off the dribble at one point he took a terrible contested fadeaway off the dribble with 16 on the shot clock uh so he definitely like tries to do some things and has some ideas and he's a guy where if you put together a a highlight reel for him it looks really really good and so you understand that like he's to me he's gonna need a ton of development and the shooting numbers were not particularly good as a spot up guy was three out of 13 uh also in transition he had a bunch of turnovers it had one late as well in a game where they're being pressured up he just tried to dribble up and got it poked away from behind that that didn't look too good obviously as a finisher getting up for alley-oops it can look pretty good but i also thought that His movement patterns, despite the raw athleticism and some of the highlight plays he could put up, his movement patterns just didn't look that great to me. Uh, You know, he looks kind of rickety, like he's just going to fall over. All the time, I thought that whether it was trying to slide his feet one-on-one or in conventional pick-and-roll defense, it looked really bad. He got blown by a lot. He also just you know has no idea how to play that cat and mouse game in conventional pick-and-roll defense uh, as well. And he also kind of had, like when I talk about his movement patterns, uh, this might be too specific for some, but he has this kind of weird internal hip rotation when he makes a move where his knees will kind of angle in and you'll see that. His lower leg is kind of at a a big angle to his body and way outside of his knee at times while his knees go inward as he's trying to like, you know, change direction. And so that makes me a little bit worried about some injury risk, but also maybe something that could be improved a lot. Also, I think part of why he has trouble sliding his feet and changing directions defensively. So I'm not sure how functional of an athlete he is on a second to second basis, even though You know, if he's kind of in control, he can really load up and do some impressive stuff. So, uh, you know, this he is very much a tabula rasa at this point with his shooting and what he can do out the dribble. You know, again, he didn't really get a ton of, you know, his first step wasn't really particularly quick. You know, he wasn't blowing by guys getting to the rim and finishing. Either when he tried to attack, you would usually have to spin back or take some terrible jumper but for a team that really wants to do a lot of weird stuff defensively, do some switching, do some zone, the raw physical talent, and you know, obviously he's got this really high vertical leap as well. Like he's a, an intriguing ball of clay, but also someone who I don't think has a pretty a high basketball IQ. And at least as of this point, you know, I think he came late, relatively late to the game out of the Bahamas. So all of that is kind of set up for him to be a maddening player. You know, if I had to guess, I think he's going to be one of these guys who, you know, always kind of tantalizes, but never figures it out. But with the 19th pick, with the raw athleticism that he has... You know, it's worth finding it out. And obviously, Charlotte traded with the Knicks to get him, uh, thinking that they uh, could develop him.
2: Yeah, and and Kai Jones was productive on the glass. Eighteen uh, percent rebound rate overall, twenty six percent. But because of the some of the jump yeah, shots, twenty six percent else,
1: defensive rebounds. You mean
2: twenty six percent defense, eighteen percent overall. Um, he also only only forty eight percent true shooting on 19 percent usage and that doesn't even include the turnovers which he had he had more of those than you would like for a kind of a lower usage guy but again we said that can prove with time and kai jones uh he's already 20 this will be his age 21 season um his rookie year
1: yeah So, and, and again also we should note that this is going to come up with a lot of people including patrick williams that guys are not necessarily being asked to do their exact nba yes. role they're trying to expand their game they're being encouraged to attack maybe in ways that they wouldn't be and so you, know, you can complain some about the decision making, but they won't have the ball as often to uh, right. make decisions. Um, you know, the two holdover bigs, Nick Richards and Vernon Carey, I don't want to talk too much about either of them. I, I just I honestly didn't see too much from either of those guys. They're the 32nd, I believe, 42nd pick, uh, uh Carey and Richards respectively, uh, a year ago, both on guaranteed contracts uh, for this year.
2: Yes, they, they were, and the volume of big men on guaranteed roster spots for mitch kupchak is just is just strange to me and i the hope for second year guys that i didn't that you don't see a ton from in their rookie year and granted there's a lot of context especially with how weird last year was they didn't have a summer league and everything else is that you want them to pop you want them we'll talk about some of the second league second year guys that really did and i didn't you know i i will admit i wasn't necessarily watching them as intently as some of the other guys but they didn't they didn't have those pops for me
0: but yeah, Richard,
1: really Richards is team. someone, uh, quickly, cool. Richards is someone that I had liked uh, going back to his appearance for the World Team uh, in the Hoop Summit uh, representing Jamaica, uh, but he doesn't look as uh, as athletic as I remember. You know, he looks like he's put on some weight, and I'm not sure that it's all good weight. He, he tried to get some post-ops and some hook shots uh, on occasion, but just didn't make the athletic plays. Like For his player type, he's got a really pop. Athletically, And I didn't see that type of stuff. I mean, your hope was that he could be sort of a rim runner on one end, you know, shot blocker on the other. Uh, but you didn't see those type of plays. And Kerry, he didn't really play that much. I'm not sure if he was dealing with an injury or what the story was there. Uh, but, you know, he is a guy that you hope would be you know quote-unquote productive you know in the points and rebounds categories he didn't really do that he really wasn't able to finish that well either so maybe he was dealing with something that's why he didn't play that much you know Richard started uh the game that I saw live uh, that the Hornets played but again neither of these guys is someone that I would feel like took a step forward towards potentially being a rotation player in this summer league
2: Uh, the last guy to discuss for the Hornets is JT Thor JT Thor was the 37 Seventh pick in the 21 draft um younger he uh he'll turn 19 in a bit before before the draft uh sorry before, yeah before
1: i think he before. is he is the youngest player in the draft and or was i should say
2: what i saw him, I what holy shit this guy's a mack truck like he is just big and yeah like,
1: seven two wingspan for thor
2: and he was able to convert that into some intriguing productivity. A lot of that was that he, you know, he was getting offensive rebounds and putbacks. Thor only played 16 minutes a game, so well, he wasn't in as as a large role because we talked about all the bigs that Charlotte had kind of above him in the summer league rotation. Still averaged 10 and 5 in 16 minutes a game and showed a little bit of a flash of a catch and shoot three. I think he was two of five on those. um as I said, was productive as a rebounder. and again, it's gonna it's gonna take him some time, but i was I was impressed,
1: yeah. this is a facile comparison because he's a lefty and he wears number twenty one but he's got some Thad Young in his game offensively where he can kind of slither through spaces. Lefty doesn't use his right hand as much, but he actually threw a nice right-handed pass uh, along the baseline at one point. I'll echo you. I I thought he really bulked up uh, from his college days, uh, which was impressive, uh, again, considering how young he is. Uh, You know, he likes to shoot mid-rangers maybe more than he should, you know, even shoot like some step backs, but he is capable of, you know, attacking off a of one or two dribbles again maybe someone who could play some small ball center it, it is interesting that he and Kai Jones have a, a number of similarities in some ways I, I thought especially considering the age difference I might have liked Thor a little bit better at this point in time you know which of those guys becomes a better shooter and defender is probably what's going to be interesting you know it's hard to get a great feel for that in summer league uh as well uh you know thor is not a nuclear type of athlete but he definitely can get up there and especially with his size uh, it can be a a difference maker any interesting stats uh, that popped out for him
2: well jt thor was um he was actually the by far the hornets leader in per 27 5 and the reason why is because he was Unlike Kai Jones, he was very effective from the field, uh, 59%, rebounded offensively and defensively. Crazily enough, the Hornets had three different guys with an offensive rebound rate over 10, um, and JT Thor was the the tops of that list. The overall kind of, if you want the top line numbers, Thor in, remember, 16 minutes a game, 10 and 5 for him. um, And I said he made a couple of catch and shoot threes. He was overall, he was 25% on two a game. Um, But yeah, had some flashes that I really liked.
1: Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since... Let's move on to Chicago now.
2: This should be a, a little bit faster because these other ones, just the volume of players we, we were got to watch was pretty exciting. Um, The number one player on the Bulls docket was Patrick Williams. Patrick Williams, the fourth pick in 2020, often probably wouldn't be playing in summer league, but since it was his first one, Patrick Williams was out there, and the... The general kind of like the eye test stuff like that was and that was part of why I was intrigued by Williams and had him actually very high on my 2020 draft board. I think you saw some of that because he's he's a big dude and he can can move reasonably well. And so you go, OK, if he w- was diligently, he can defend. And, um, you know, his, his work, his his offensive work at Florida State was interesting. Um, and I think we saw we saw some things that I, I, I liked. I mean, the, the positional size is still there, but some of the like kind of connective tissue stuff and it got into something that you had some really interesting we talked about this in person and i know we want to talk about it here in terms of how, how his game has changed, changes the way you feel, at least, about his ideal offensive position. What did I say? <laughs> well, you, 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 talk, you talked about the challenge. So, basically, so I've said for a long time that I thought, defensively, Williams' best spot is, is power forward. Because right, the, right. He, I don't think he has quite the, the some of the lateral stuff. Oh,
1: okay. Right? I, I I remember it now. Yeah, that he just he is able to maybe use his size a little bit more at the three to like get to spots. Yeah.
2: Well, and it's the, uh, if the analogy, he's being
1: guarded by a, a three rather than a four.
2: The analogy that I would make, and you could go to somebody like Porzingis, or you could go to Zion. You know, all these different things is that, like, especially if we're talking about bigger dudes, there are kind of two different ways that you can exploit an advantage on your opposition. One is you can do it through a quickness advantage, or you can do it through a size advantage. And then for smaller guys, you can add in like dribbling skill and side to side and all that. But for for bigger guys, that doesn't generally matter as much, except for like Zion. And, and so with Williams, it's that at this point in his career, he's better at taking advantage of the size mismatch than the speed mismatch. And so that makes him offensively better as a three than a four.
1: Yeah, he played, played three games and... Didn't you know they put the ball in his hands a ton? So much, and and that's obvious. I mean, on this team, you know, they've got like Devin Dotson as a guard. You know, they didn't really have uh, Io Desumo, but not guys who are you know really going to be focuses of the offense. I would say, and so they really want to you know Kawhi Leonard style uh, develop Williams, and so seventeen pick and roll ball handler possessions, twelve in isolation post up. Which I actually thought that was a little more limited. I thought actually in the post he looked the best. Uh, I didn't think that he did a great job of getting separation like he's not the quickest guy that's something that we've noted on film going back to his college days. Uh, now one nice thing to see was that he shot seven to 16 from three that also propped up his efficiency oh, quite God. a bit though.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, he shot better. He shot better from three than from two. And some of that was just missing layups battling
1: yeah and that was interesting right like even when he got to the rim he's not a guy who has a ton of finishing craft and you know a couple of times he tried to dunk on people that didn't go well he got blocked He got his shot blocked a ton at the basket and again this is summer league you know this is not like nba quality uh, of rim protectors in a lot of ways he also just smoked some layups uh, as well you know if you look at his stats uh, around the rim in the half court he was three out of 13 which you know again we're talking about small sample sizes here but uh you know it's not like it just rimmed out when he got it blocked back in his face or off the backboard uh and again you know i didn't think he was you know if he was able to work his way to the basket it was kind of using his size but you know he wasn't able to blow by and get there that's why the shot blocker was in position a lot of times so that's why I liked him in the post a little bit better where he showed off some nice ability to use his body had a beautiful spin move where he of course then missed the layup immediately after that uh so I think continuing to work on his jumper is going to be big you know being able to get to spots in the mid-range if we look at him as kind of a scorer now of course there are plenty of scorers on the bulls right now and so the fact that he at least hit shots and he took over five three-pointers per game that's encouraging it only played the three games as far as what his role is going to be next year obviously he's not going up against Other great players he was asked to score. So his defense is gonna be the most important thing for Chicago next year. We can't really speak much to that, uh based on what his role was here in summer league.
2: Williams still exceedingly young. I mean, we brought up with JT Thor, like Williams hasn't even turned twenty yet. He will do that before the start of the regular season. Um and and with Williams, we're still working on kind of building out a robust sample for his shooting because he made thirty-nine percent as a rookie with the Bulls and played a lot of minutes, but he was only taking about two a game and was 73 percent from the line so to to see those you know again on a small sample that that's pretty good considering Williams only shot 32 percent his uh coming off the bench is one year at Florida State to me the other uh, I mean there are well, other well qu- that-
1: quickly last question on Williams here just sure Yo, know, how do you feel about his chances of becoming a big star like how, how did th- this summer league stint affect th- your analysis of that if at all
2: i wanted to see him get in to to really disrupt things defensively more than he did because for me williams the the idea that he was going to be a high volume offensive player like i i was i was on board with patrick williams but that was never what i wanted to see and it's not the physical tools i think the physical tools are there the reason why i was was high on him in that respect is that i yeah. think he can do
1: he well, can well i do, do think this he is not really a quick jumper like he really needs That's to load true. up uh and what he did you know he had a couple of really impressive dunks when he's able to get the ball on the move and like take a couple of steps and really explode off of two feet but yeah he also uh, he doesn't have that quick bounce necessarily yeah
2: I, I would say for me it's more that i've been positive about He can move his feet decently well he's has the has the physical frame you know all that type of stuff but he doesn't have the same level and again we're, this is summer league but it was also i would say it was true with the bulls to, as well Is the like part of part of what makes a, a, a player special or very good on the defensive end is intention and i think williams is is working on that and i think that he will continue to get better but generally the guys who really spark on that end you see it at a younger age like you could bring up like a i'm not saying he's ever going to be like a marcus smart or anything like that but you generally like when those guys came to the league you're like oh they look, look at the way they're they're doing this and with williams it's like i think the capability is still there but i think that that and so that's a concern and when you think about the like level of intensity that Tyrese Halliburton plays with, or some of the other guys in that class. Like, I wish he had a little bit more of that, and there is still time. But no, I would say I'm I'm a little bit lower on Williams than I was before, but I haven't. I'm not not dramatically.
1: I would say for me that offensively, I'm despite the fact that he was sort of struggling to be efficient. I think the fact that he could create. 13 shots at the rim in the half court in five games and that he was just able to operate as much off the dribble and create shots as much as he was even if he wasn't making them is somewhat of a positive sign and the fact that the three-point shooting was better now i wasn't someone who was super high on his star outcomes to begin with but i do think there at least it shows that there's been some growth he's still pretty young so I, I'm not going to foreclose on it yet. I, I think this was a you know he showed that there has been some skill development there, even if you know creating shots is step one, making them is step two. So he at least is, he accomplished step one. Uh, in, I, I was just league.
2: I was just thinking about the combined defensive skill of the Bulls' likely starting five of Ball, Levine, DeRozan,
1: Williams, and, and Vooch. Oh my! Oh my goodness yeah yeah we've uh we talked about that a little bit uh on yeah. the offseason grades but yeah uh, let's finish up quickly with the rest of these bulls guys here
2: yeah so so i had a Sun-Mu out of illinois um i was hoping to to see something a little bit more from him like i brought up the idea of like good shooter good athleticism like those are kind of a couple ways that a guard that a guard can stand out especially a kind of a, a second round guard and i didn't see either of those from him he'll only was one of 12 on threes though he did and and a player who i remember i sometimes you think about this when you want so when I, I i we didn't scout him watched when you watch a guy shoot you're like oh i don't think i i didn't think he was a particularly good shooter and i'm like then i went back and i was like oh he shot 39 percent his senior or his final year at auburn or at, at illinois um but he was 35 percent overall and 75 percent for the i so I'm like okay maybe he's maybe it was one of those players who had one year and you go oh that's just who he is now and he'll be better but then the other reason why that was a concern was that he didn't have enough spice like enough and he wasn't creating enough separation with the ball in his hands for me to be like oh he can do it that way instead
1: Yeah, I think, you know, he's got good size, kind of a a combo guard, more of a two, but has some ball skills. I think what was most intriguing about him was his ability to attack in transition, where he generated a ton of looks uh, by pushing the ball or either running the lanes uh, as well. I think for a guy who's not a great athlete, I think he's got a pretty good finishing package around the rim with short range floaters and double pumps, as you'd expect for a Chicago guy. Um, so I think he, he's got the knock on him is that there isn't really one aspect that stands out. And you mentioned the shooting that was brutal, obviously, but only 12 attempts. You don't want to read too much into that. Although a low number of attempts as well. And he did a little bit in pick and roll. So as kind of a third guard who can maybe give you a little bit of ball handling, his shooting is going to have to come along. He is an older guy. He came out after his third year, right?
2: Yeah. So he'll turn, this will be his age 22 season.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I, I think it, he's got a chance uh, to me that there are some subtle things that he can do where I don't see him ever becoming a starter, but it, as someone who can contribute as a bench guard, you know, I, I think that seems like a reasonable possibility for him. And then uh, sure. Marco Simonovic. Uh, yeah, who, Simonovic, go yeah, ahead. 44th pick uh, a year ago, played it as a center here. It's interesting because he doesn't really seem to jump that high, but he still gets some like pretty hard dunks uh and i think you know one thing that stood out to me about him was his high activity level on the offensive end just always rolling sprinting into his role sprinting to the basket rolling hard i mean that's just one of the more underrated skills Like i I just liked his overall energy and activity level as an offensive player
2: and he was good on the offensive glass as well um I, I thought that he had some had some good offensive rebounds not not as dominant as some of the guys we've talked about in summer league before but yeah I mean he got a fully guaranteed contract for this year of uh, which will be we'll, we'll see how how that works out. the bulls are still actually pretty low on roster spots though one of those may end up being resolved by the lowry marketing situation which as we record this is still unresolved um but yeah i, I was I was intrigued and uh, actually Simonovich got two guaranteed years should mention that along with Dasunmu, who also got two guaranteed years.
1: Yeah, and if you go back to his stats uh, in Europe, he's solid uh, as a rebounder. You know, three point shooting is uh, kind of in the 32. 32- percent range and he was 0 for 8 in summer league was able to generate some free throws with his activity about four free throw attempts per game and was able to do a little bit working through the elbows as well i think some of the problems that comes in is that he's not going to really be a rim protector and you know really profiles in terms of his skill level right now as a center so another guy who's kind of you know all right he's a european Combo big that doesn't necessarily protect the rim, but he does play hard, and, and you know that that gives him maybe a little bit of a chance to, to contribute. But not someone that I thought looks like a, a, a for sure future rotation piece at this point in time to me.
2: So we can get to one of the like I guess you call one of the main event players because he was such a high pick in the recent draft. And Cleveland has another guy that we'll talk about though, of course, too. Um, Evan Mobley, third pick at SC, and the the. It's it was a little bit hard for me because the first game I saw for Mobley was was when he struggled the most that was against the the Rockets where the Rockets just had it they had a lot of front court talent and he he did some things that I really liked there but I, I think that the big question now we now we've seen him in person we in our draft work we wondered a lot about is Evan Mobley a 4 is Evan Mobley a 5 not even present but also moving forward how do you feel about that having seen him in person
1: well, his skill level is nowhere near high enough to be a four for me right now. And that also neuters what I think he's going to be best at, which is kind of making decisions at the elbows, finding guys on the weak side, putting the ball on the floor with one or two dribbles. and. He certainly showed some intriguing flashes where he's able to go into some dribble moves, shoot a step back, rise up from the free throw line. The overall numbers, though, for him were quite ghastly. He shot only 35% from the field despite a lot of attempts uh the three pointers he didn't take a lot of them they did not go in uh, the ones that he did take he, he was only one out of eight from downtown also only got to the foul line six times in three games which you would hope for for more of uh, as well now again he was playing the four most of the time he was playing next to Fiando cabanguele or well, that's who he started next to there's some other center that i think he played next to some uh, as well but uh a lot of the minutes were next to Kamigali. Was it,
2: was it Trey Scott? Is that in mean, yeah. my I know he's I, I, Trey's smaller than he is.
1: Yeah, well, in, in any event. Uh, and then they also had Isaac Okoro trying to explore the studio space as a point guard. So, you know, it wasn't like he had great pick and roll guys setting him up. You know, I think, you know, the one thing that did impress me seeing him in person, I, I guess there are a couple of things. I mean, number one is just how quickly he gets on top of the rim when he's around the basket. I mean, he had a couple of plays where he just went right up over guys uh the other the problem though again even playing at the four was you know he's being guarded in that rockets game by uh kj martin who, who admittedly is a a pretty athletic guy but he's also like six five and Mobley really wasn't able to move him particularly well. And he also, something that I really would like him to discover is just like a straight turnaround jump shot game because he is so big and he's got the uh, high release and hopefully, you know, his shooting potential is going to come around. But he's kind of trying to back down and, and, you know, especially if the guy's smaller and quicker than quicker than him, he's not able to move him, but he's also not able to kind of get a quickness advantage. Later on, we saw some of like the nice step-throughs across the lane in the post. Uh, that we saw at USC we didn't see much of that in the Rockets game um yeah, anything most, else to add on his offense
2: um he, he had a couple of a couple of good offensive rebounds um it wasn't like yeah. the most he, he wasn't like I wouldn't say dominating on the offensive glass but he had a couple of really nice ones had that big
1: sequence against Shangun. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, that was to me, just how big he could be around the basket offensively it was one of the more impressive things just to put a few more numbers on his offensive performance, two out of 10 with four turnovers on post-ups, not very good. Uh, he only had seven possessions as the role man. Uh, when he tried to ISO, he was Oh, for four, uh, got fouled once and made one out of two. Another disappointing aspect to me was transition where he only had five possessions. That was something that you talked about a lot when we did our scouting report of him, not necessarily beating guys with effort. And, you know, I think we thought again, you know, this is Isaac Okoro as the point guard, you know, they didn't have like some little water bug type who was pushing the ball up and and running pick and roll. So there are plenty of things that were not really set up for him to succeed. But they're going to play him mostly at the four, I'm guessing, this year. And I just don't think that's going to go well. Like I, I don't think he's going to be offensively has a high enough skill level where he's going to look good in that role at this point.
2: Yeah, but I would say de- defensively, I think we got we got some positive signs. Mobley was a productive shot blocker about two a game, though he was playing 30 minutes or 29 a game overall. Had some had some nice instincts, but the concern for me there for now, and I I hope and expect that this will change, is that he's so damn skinny. Like, I mean, legs, frame, everywhere. And so that isn't as much of a concern against every center. And I don't think, you know, I I think that those who evaluate big men in terms of how they can handle Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic, I think that's a mistake, unless we're talking about, you know, teams that are trying to make the second, third round of the playoffs. But it does mean that he can get moved trying to get defensive rebounds it means that he has to succeed in different ways and i think that he can but i also think it's going to take mobley more time and maybe the idea like and then so then you start to think about the idea of like okay they just paid jared allen 20 million a year for five years if the immediately after drafting evan mobley is the idea that they think he's going to need to be a power forward physically for another couple of years
1: yeah so i i think that's certainly a concern um a couple other notes i had is that Sorry, that was someone actually calling my hotel room phone for some reason. How could they not know that we're recording a podcast in here? Um, I think he's going to be a really nice target on Alley Oop's. And I think hopefully maybe they can put something together where he can play center with Darius Garland on the second unit, or play with Ricky Rubio, where those guys can set him up. He actually had a couple of alley oops get blocked, but you know that's not his fault. Like he, oh, the
2: he, one by the one by well, he, the the one where he got blocked by KJ Martin was jaw dropping more for KJ oh, yeah. Martin than for Mobley. But also Mobley, I forgot to mention this in the offensive section. He threw a really nice alley oop pass from the top of the key that was like oh yeah remember that part of his skill set
1: which I which I did like. Um, you know the threes he took some with no hesitation, but he doesn't. It's clear that that's not like his number one thought when he catches the ball at the arc. Like he wants to put the ball on the floor. Uh, he showed a little bit of touch on like an awkward runner runner at the free throw line, and yeah, again, I think just the how much he's able to dunk the ball at the basket. You had a nice sequence where uh he blocked shangun in the post although shangun got it back uh, and and eventually scored but you know he just blocked his hook shot so he's there were definitely the flashes that you wanted to see but if you were not a mobly believer there was some ammunition here and particularly with him going to this franchise that i don't have a lot of trust in there's a little bit of reason for concern you saw the raw ability there but whether it's going to take him some time, his ability to be a scorer, there wasn't anything that really stood out in dominant fashion, even though you do kind of see the moldable clay there.
2: Yeah, I, I would say that that's fair. Um, we can move to Isaac Okoro. Okoro, you mentioned, he came up in the in the first part, but fifth pick in 2020 and played a very different role offensively. And I'm not criticizing the Cavs at all for it. I think that's part of what you do with these young players that you have a lot of trust in is you give them more responsibilities in summer league than they're going to have during the year to see what they can do, to see, to, to see if they can build some skills that or show some skills that they can use in In a smaller role. So one example of that for Okoro is that he only took three catch and shoot shots in all of Summer League and he played he only played in two games. But you know that that means he has the ball in his hands a whole heck of a lot. And Okoro there were were those who were more optimistic about him in the draft process that might have thought oh that's going to work for him. And I wasn't quite there. Um. And um, his his shot is still a work in progress. Um, but to to me, the more the more interesting part, and we saw this. Um, I, I I would argue in his rookie year with the Cavs is that defensively, you know, like Okoro, I think he's you know if you were to describe him in one position, it would be as a two guard, as a sh- as a shooting guard. But I would say that he's more of a two one defensively than a two three, just because of his his like length and his size to me. And the way, and that doesn't mean he's bad at it. I think he actually had some really nice defensive plays in his rookie year. But it's just a different type of player than the you know the wing defender idea of a
1: yeah i wouldn't say that we learned a, a ton new uh, about isaac coro you know he still can really jump well off of one foot can't really jump at all uh, off of two feet that's one of the things that really kind of sticks out to me but he was better as a finisher in summer league that was something that he struggled with a, a lot during uh, his rookie year it was able to get to the basket some uh Nine times in the half court in two games it, that makes you feel a little bit better. It was kind of, but it wasn't anything where you're th- you're thinking, oh yeah, like, he really looks ready to take the next step and handle the ball more and create more shots. You know, he didn't show anything to that type of a level. uh You know, he took a couple of threes without hesitations. So that, that's always good to see. But I don't know. I, he only played the two games as well, so you don't want to go nuts uh, on that. Uh, he had defensively had, had an interesting matchup with Jalen Green uh and kind of got lit up frankly that might say more about green than it does about uh, a but you know it is an indication that uh, a you know he's kind of he's strong and he's intense but once he can't stay attached to you with his body anymore you know he doesn't have great length to bother the shot and we kind of saw that in some of those step backs that that jalen green hit on him so Sure, I mean, he is an NBA-quality wing defender. The Cavs desperately need that. They don't have other threes on their team. Uh, but is he going to be a difference maker guarding the absolute best guys? It, you know, I, I share some of your concerns uh, about that. You know, you might in some ways be better as an off-ball defender guarding shooters uh, than he is necessarily on the ball defending it in isolation. So I, I think that's about all I had uh, on him. And, so
2: then the yeah. other thing I want to mention, just kind of big picture by the Cavs, the Cavs only have 10 guaranteed contracts, including you know, a bunch of guys on rookie scale deals and, and the vets. Um, but then they have four guys on non-guaranteed contracts that don't guarantee until the cutdown date, which is in mid-January. And so three of those guys pl- – or sorry, two of them played in this. Then there's also um, what we, we could potentially talk about is, is Broderick Thomas. So it's Cabangale is non-guaranteed. Lamar Stevens is non-guaranteed. And then um, I don't know the exact status of Broderick. Thomas at the moment are there any of those guys that you want to talk about?
1: Well Cobb Galey uh, obviously you know didn't even make it to having his third year guaranteed he's already on his second contract boy the, those uh, clippers drafting of centers late in the first early in the second really seems to work out well uh, for them. Uh, I mean the best,
2: the, the best one. The best one was the one they didn't draft but traded for. Yeah, Zubats. Yeah.
1: So you know, Camille couldn't hit a shot. That was something that he still has some athleticism and some toughness around the rim, but wasn't able to be efficient. And the intrigue for him was with his shooting ability on the offensive end. He's pretty mechanical offensively. Aside from that, so you know, I can't say that he really helped himself particularly, and you know lamar stevens is definitely an nba athlete he's almost kind of a poor man's Zakoro in some ways uh uh you know his three-point shooting is going to be the big issue but i think he has a chance if he can improve uh offensively and then thomas i i can't say did much that that stood out in the film that i watched so Uh, let's uh, move on here since we are moving at our typical snail's pace. Uh, uh, congratulations on uh, now having finished three out of the thirty teams in an hour here,
2: and we'll move to—I think that might be four. Um, anyway, we'll. Um...
1: Oh yes, it is. Thank you. Ah, that. The, mm-hmm. All right, that's exciting. All right, we're at, we're um, back on track, baby.
2: And this one's going to take a little while too, uh, because it's the Detroit Pistons, and that starts with the number one pick, Cade Cunningham, and. Cunningham, you know, he had that some high profile matchups in the early going and and I thought that those weren't as those weren't as as necessarily as strong for him, but I still think, you know, the the overall package especially with some of his defense and the shooting that K Cunningham showed 50% on about 9 three-pointers per game in the games he played in. I, I think that the the people who thought he's you know he's going to be a, a strong NBA player and and that he that's gonna work. they got ammunition. but I also think that some of the people who were concerned who said that maybe you know maybe he was either that there there was a competition with Jalen Green or that he wasn't that like bust bust proof level of number one kind of in that that higher that higher error not the that that maybe there's a little bit of a reason to believe that could be possible too.
1: So I would say the two things that stood out to me the most from him in a positive standpoint is number one that the guy just plays hard. You know, yeah. I mean that is it's really impressive. It, it, among number one picks he really plays harder than pretty much anyone that I can remember who is viewed at this level of prospect. And then the other thing is like, I think his jumpers to be really good. Like, and while there may have been concerns about his struggles to finish at the basket or from the short mid range, I think that those are over if not overshadowed at least counterbalanced by how good he looked as a shooter whether it's coming off of screens both on and off the ball on spot ups i mean it looks like he's going to has the potential to be a 40% three point shooter on a pretty high volume from the beginning and that's going to open up a lot and particularly you know he has the ability to create those shots off the dribble to some degree as well and yeah you know what if another team has an elite guy who can switch that could cause some problems for him as an off the dribble guy you know guess what like Jason Tatum has that same issue as of right now and you know Kade did have a lot of turnovers he's still gonna have to cut down on those at some point you know he turned it over a ton at Oklahoma State you know, I think once he gets into an NBA system with spacing I think also having Kelly Olenek out there to draw the big away from the basket is going to really help him early on in his career you know he showed some passes uh, flashes as a passer um, you know we didn't get to see him too much in the post where I think he also Also can be pretty good. Uh, His assist numbers weren't that high, but that's also because... His teammates, Tyler Cook, was a frequent offender. Just could not finish off of his passes, either just fumbling the pass or, or not converting uh, on good looks, either inside or, or from the perimeter. So I, I think this is about what I expected to see from Cade. Did he just, you know, to the extent you have doubts about him as a finisher? No, like those weren't dispelled. uh But you know, I think he was able to be productive. He, he looked like the guy that I thought he was. Yeah. That that would be my ultimate uh, opinion on him.
2: I would agree as well, and and. For me, it was also—I mean, him shooting that well on that kind of volume was also notable because— his shooting was a later development. Cade was not that kind of guy in high school and in some of the um, Team USA stuff he did. So you're, you're still trying to build out the sample. And like, okay, is the, is what he did at Oklahoma State, is that real? And I think we're getting pretty dang close to that. Now, you wish he got to the free throw line more and, and made more of those free throws so you could see whether that part – you know, build the sample in that way as well, something that we think is relevant. But yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. Yeah, so, so he, that- he was he
1: was 13 out of 26 from three only took two free throw attempts though in three games yeah that, that
2: really was struggled. that was a big concern for me
1: yeah struggled from two and had seven assists in three games but as I mentioned I, I thought this his passing uh, was very solid and you know did have 12 turnovers versus seven assists but you know and that's not awful four turnovers in three games uh, but I, I did think that uh he probably should have had triple the number of assists that he did at least during the time that I was watching
2: so there are a lot of different summer league guys to kind of talk about potentially with the Hornets. Where do you want to go next? I'll leave it to you. The Pistons. The Pistons. Same thing.
1: Well, Killian Hayes was awful. Uh, You know, I really thought that he struggled. Played three games, only seven out of 22 from the field. Two of 11 from three. Barely got to the foul line himself. Uh, Did have 14 assists in three games. Playing about 25 minutes a game. A little over 25 minutes a game. But it just... It didn't look great to me. Didn't look like someone who's going to be a positive force as a creator. Still very left-hand dominant. You can see he's trying to work on the right hand. But all of the plays were set up to have him going to his left hand. Also worth noting that the Pistons tried a few more things coaching wise than you normally would and suddenly really like they're like trapping Jalen Green at half court in the pick and roll and like they clearly had a bunch of these plays set up to get Hayes going from right to left to his left hand to get in the lane, but still I think wasn't be able to be that productive. You know, I think just he's gonna have to become a very good shooter to be successful. And I, I don't think that he's really on that path. I don't think that his ability to get to the basket is particularly good. you just and you could just feel it out there. You there's just kind of this like Like, man, they're they're giving it to him instead of Kate again. Like, why? You know, and you just you didn't expect something positive to happen when he had the ball, even though I thought he had some better efforts defensively than he's shown in the past.
2: Yeah, I I think that there is still a window for Killing Hayes to become a a useful NBA player, but. Part of it, and I would say this is actually extremely good news for the Pistons, is that now the Pistons' their long term success does not depend on Killian Hayes popping as a creator. Like now, now if, if he does it, great, you know, more you can you can work with that. You can make a bunch of different ways that that can be successful. But if he doesn't, you have Cade. You, you can work it that way. And there were points for the Pistons, partially because they just had so many, so many mouths to feed offensively that they had just too many cooks. Where you had Saban Lee and Cade Cunningham and Killian Hayes, all of whom, in many ways, you intend for them to have the ball in their hands. Like, and that led to sometimes Cade being the guy who was off ball. And you're like, you're the one that we want to see with it. And no, no disrespect to Saban Lee and Killian Hayes, but it's just that's he's the double pick. That's where we go. And so I think that that the ecosystem made it harder on them, but also you're playing significantly inferior competition. And so, I'm very interested in how invested Weaver and Dwayne Casey are in Killian Hayes, because if you think that Kate is the is the guy, that he is the he's the linchpin, maybe you try to move in a different direction. But if you're if you're gonna play significant minutes for Killian Hayes, who's not really ready for that, and yes, he missed a lot of his rookie year due to an injury and he's still pretty young and everything else, then you're going in a different direction. Now, I would argue that the Pistons being bad for one more year, at least, would be a very good thing for them. Long term, build up the asset base, get more guys to add into this intriguing foundation, and playing Killian Hayes is a
1: good way to do it. Let's talk a little bit about Saban Lee here, and it, yeah, I'll second that. I mean, I think they need to just put the ball in Cade's hands because their point guards are going to be some of the worst in the NBA uh, from a creation standpoint, maybe the worst. Um, but that said, uh, Saban Lee, I thought, had a very nice summer league, and the biggest thing that stood out to me. Was that he was extremely reluctant to shoot the ball, uh, but actually took four three-point attempts a game, and he made forty percent of them, and, and was pretty aggressive shooting it. Uh, he still pushes the ball really hard in transitions. Showed some passing vision. He's a pest defensively as well. Uh, he showed the ability to like get into guys' chests a, a little bit and finish. Maybe not uh, amazing shot blockers necessarily, but you know, he's got very solid athleticism for being a, an undersized point guard. He's got good strength uh, and really just liked everything that that I saw from him. And so his, you you could see like his upside. It's like TJ McConnell, but able to actually shoot a three point shot. And like, that's a pretty valuable player. You know, I I think they may have something in him. You know, you spent last year on a two way. Now it's on a a longer contract with plenty of team control. So I really liked what I saw from Lee in summer league. He he came in and did everything that you would have hoped that he would have done. He showed some new skill as a three point shooter. And yeah, you know, you you can, it, it was only 20 shots, but the volume compared to where he was in his first season at the NBA level, where he did play a lot and had chances to take threes and just didn't do it, uh, very encouraging. Uh, that's well, all I, I got in him, but I, I I was impressed by what I saw from there, Saban
2: there's Lee. There's one other thing I think is important to note there on Saban Lee's shooting, which is those threes that he made were pull-up threes. Those were not catch-and-shoot. Saban Lee actually missed all four of his catch-and-shoot attempts of any distance in Summer League. But he was able to make them, make them off the dribble and— the, the Pistons have a bunch of point guards on their roster, but to me, Saban Lee looks like a backup. He's a minimum contract for the next two years and then has a team option, and that is the team option like we've seen. I mean, he's not at that level of player, but like with Mitchell Robinson and with Jokic and all that, where you can decline it to make him restricted or pick it up to make him unrestricted a year later. And yeah, I think that having Lee in the rotation, sure, you have Corey Joseph, who somehow got that player option on there as well, but I think Saban Lee can take the reins. I think that he can be a, a, a good backup point guard. We'll just have to see, how the rotation shakes out for Detroit, for how these guys get their opportunities. Um, even though he was listed on their roster, Isaiah Stewart did not play in Summer League, but we did get to see some of Sadiq Bay. actually a lot of Sadiq Bay. He played 31 minutes a game for four games, and the shot wasn't there the way that it was for him, but with Sadiq Bay, we have so much more of a sample because of how much he played for the Pistons on the NBA last year that I'm not worried about him missing some jump shots in Summer
1: League. Yeah, and he also was trying to be extremely aggressive. Yes. As a shooter and you know he did more of his damage later on like worth noting that for a lot of teams you know the best guys weren't playing in in games four and five bay played better i think in their fourth game which i didn't see that and he did try to operate in pick and roll that really didn't go too well he shot six out of 25 from three that didn't go too well but it was a more effective in transition they did give him the ball more i, I don't know how good he's going to be at that one thing i will say is it looks like his jumper he doesn't bring it up like quite as far in front of his body anymore and so i think that'll be good as far as just speeding up his release being able to show some more versatility and most of what he was doing was trying to get to spots in the mid-range he really likes the dirk fade or just shooting shots fading left so that's how he's able to create a lot of his looks yeah they did a little iso for him as well i wouldn't say that the summer league really changed anything about how i feel about sadiq bay though and we talked about him pretty extensively so i don't i don't have a ton to add other than that on bay
2: i will say that this summer league was the best I've seen Seku Dembouya look. I still don't know exactly what he's going to be as, a, as an NBA level of player, but he used his size a little bit better, actually played a little bit of five. Um, but yeah, I, I would say like, oh my God, he's a star now or anything like that. He hasn't been the player that I wanted him to be as a prospect, but this was the best he's looked for me.
1: No, I would agree. And I mean, let's recall that he was at one point, one of the younger guys in the draft was drafted when he was still only 18 and... He is not of this regime, which uh, always makes you wonder a a little bit, but yeah, I liked it. How he looked playing as a five. He was able to switch. I thought he held his own there. He had six block shots in two games, which he played, and wasn't asked to do much offensively. He did miss all six of his three pointers. That's going to need to come along for him at some point, but he did look good as a finisher. But I think the biggest thing that stood out is just he was playing hard. You know, that's been one of the biggest things that he's needed to prove. He has the athleticism where if he plays hard, you know, he can be a contributor in some of the effort and floor game categories and the shot will need to come around that's another component of it but just to just to see him out there playing hard you know he had to chase down blocks he had plays where he would make an effort out on the floor and then sprint back into the play so just liked overall just the tenor of the way he was playing
2: and then I think the last guy we need to talk about at least a little bit is is Luke Garza national player of the year and I think we, we got to see part of what makes him intriguing, like part of why he won that. He has a lot of skill offensively. But we also saw why the National Player of the Year went 52nd in the draft, and that's because he's a big man who gets roasted, roasted, toasted in pick-and-roll defense.
1: Uh, before we talk about that, can we discuss whether he or Scotty Barnes gets more irrationally fired up over doing <laughs> one thing offensively?
2: No, it's Garza. Oh, man. But I, I heartily enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. Um, You know, he did show some ability to step out on the floor uh, as a shooter. You know, he shoots this like slingshot off his shoulder behind his head that uh, touches the clods every time he shoots it. Uh, If there were clods in Las Vegas, there were not when we were there, and it was 110 every day. But he was able to drop that through to the tune of eight out of 20 on three-pointers and you know definitely gets a ton of offensive rebounds He average four offensive rebounds a game shows a little passing ability from the elbows as well uh, just you know gets fouled a, a reasonable amount not really a guy who's able to do much as a roll man rolling to the basket because he doesn't have the explosion. And he's not like an amazing touch guy either. You know, he can get into the post and do a few things, mostly getting fouled uh, against guys who, who just, you know, didn't quite have the strength to deal with them, but he's not like an amazingly high skill level guy. You know, I was expecting to see a little bit more of that given, you know, I was completely unfamiliar with him, obviously, uh, but knew that he was, you know, one of like the greatest PERs ever in college basketball or whatever it was. Um, So, you know, a guy who I think can bounce around for a while as maybe, you know, a little bit more productive Mark Madsen type but you mentioned the athletic limitations defensively and it's kind of it's a little harder for him to play a role offensively as a pick and roll guy if he's not going to be a good guy getting to the rim you know maybe as a pop guy he can improve but his release isn't really versatile enough to me at this point in time like he's gonna have to rework it he's never gonna be able to shoot it at all on the move you know hopefully he can learn a little something from his teammate now Kelly Olynyk, uh, about the way Olynyk uh, has succeeded in the league Olynyk's more of a a finesse guy than garza who likes to like get in there and knock some heads and you know i think they'll be every once in a while he can come into some games maybe and change them with his effort uh and he'll surely be a fan favorite but also not someone that i expect
0: to really have a significant nba career at this point at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Ready to move on to the Golden State Warriors?
1: Yeah, well, we are getting a lot of these big teams out early. Maybe let's see if we can finish off Golden State and Houston here. So, Let's start with Jonathan Kaminga. I I saw Golden State more than any team because I went to... I guess they in Sacramento, I probably saw the most, but uh, went to the... California Classic saw uh, Kaminga and Moody play a game there. And then I saw a couple other games uh, in Vegas as well. So uh, let's—I uh, I, want to hear some of your thoughts uh, on Kaminga. We haven't really talked about him yet uh, between the two of us. So
2: I, I thought that Kaminga, the the idea that I had posited before he was like with the G League Ignite film was that I thought he was a a, a four that didn't really get to play the four on that team because they played two bigs, and I think we got. I got a lot of ammunition to say that he, at least for right now, he's going to be that player because he can move dudes. Like there was a play where he got, to, where Kaminga got to a layup for just basically like getting Franz Wagner out of the way. And he might even, Kaminga might even play some small ball five, his defense defense. Is better. Like his, he reacts better when he's close to the basket. He's, he can do that better than kind of moving his feet along with somebody. And the driving looked good. Um, I that we'll talk. I'm sure we'll talk about that at length. Um, the jump shot does not look good, and I, I don't think that it's you know broken beyond repair. But I think, I think for the foreseeable future, for me, I'm going to think of Jonathan Kabinka as, a, as more of a four than anything else.
1: Yeah, I think that is pretty clear, and I'm going to ramble on about him quite a bit here, But so feel free to break it at any point when you want to add something. And the biggest thing that stood out to me is just what he's able to do off the dribble with his handle and size and athleticism, everyone I'm sure has seen the clip against okc where he just made a guy look absolutely silly up top and then rolled in for just a massive dunk you know he's a guy who can take off off of two feet from the dotted line and dunk it and you know whether it's spin moves in the lane he just he attacks the basket with force guys kind of bounce off of him some he gets to the foul line a fair amount uh you know one thing that he did show is a little bit better of touch around the basket as as a finisher when he couldn't get all the way to the rim. Uh, Although, actually, you know, he doesn't have the greatest finishing as a dunker where the ball can kind of slip out of his hands. He, He had a bunch of... Almost had plays where he just like completely ended the game with dunks, uh, but it just slipped out of his hands a little bit as he was trying to go up on an alley-oop or or a a tip dunk or something like that. So that was really impressive. I mean, just what he's able to do as a driver at his size and his athleticism. Like he's not as stiff. He's changes directions. He's got some ability to adjust to the way that the defense uh, is playing him. If someone goes for a reach, uh, he can beat that guy and, and take advantage of the opening. So that's all very exciting, uh, and
2: and then he he doesn't apply that th- athleticism in a very specific way, which drove you completely insane for about a glorious thirty minute stretch when I was watching games with you, which was Jonathan Kaminga getting his hands on a defensive rebound, but not securing said defensive rebound.
1: Yeah, and that's actually you know, there's some talk about him you know, playing a small the four and the five, and it's just incredible. Like I, I don't know how it was. That he was like getting his hands on these balls, and just could not grab the ball.
2: Because like that—that's the difference. It wasn't like he wasn't there, or he wasn't in position. Or other times
1: he wasn't there, but but in this particular game, I can't—I think it was the second game. I can't remember. who Was it against the
2: Raps? I think it was.
1: That's right. Yeah, it was. It it was against the Raptors. And you know, his rebounding—I didn't think was particularly good, considering how much four and five he played. Averaged uh five point five rebounds in twenty-seven minutes per game. Uh, Didn't do as much uh, on the offensive glass either, uh, unfortunately. But uh, so, uh, you know, you wonder about his ability there. He's also extremely jumpy defensively. Like he's not just in a stance. And so a guy will make a move, you know, whether it's like, all right, the guy he's guarding moves to go off a screen. uh, Or even if he's on the ball, you know, he's not just in a stance. He'll kind of stand up. The guy will make a move and he'll be like, oh, shit, I got to stop him. And he'll kind of like jump towards him. And then the guy, he'll be, you know, his momentum will be going the wrong way and he just gets beat. Uh, So defensively, he did show the ability to come over and get some massive help blocks, uh, but only averaged less than a block a game as well. Uh, I... You know, I still wonder whether that's going to be a big part of his game. And these flashes were unbelievable, the way he got to the foul line and the way that he attacked off the dribble. The overall efficiency was pretty bad. Certainly, he showed enough flashes to make you feel good about drafting him at seven. I think he showed enough flashes to make you think that he probably should be taken higher, even if he's not going to evolve. Eventually, you know, his free throw shooting was... 65% 65% his jump shot was extremely inconsistent. He had a couple of plays where he's able to look better. It looked more comfortable from the corners. He definitely shot it with no hesitation, but uh seeing him in person, his jumper looked a little hitchier than it looked on the film where he kind of shoots it like he's hitting a trigger, but he shoots it off his forehead a little bit. You know, it's very kind of mechanical, looking Uh-oh. stiff Uh-oh. shoulders.
2: I'll put it a different way. I think Kuminga is the new Jonathan Isaac. Where I've said this before, and as everybody who listens to this knows how so much I love Jonathan Isaac, that every time Jonathan Isaac takes a jump shot, it looks to me like it's going to miss. Kaminga is kind of like that for me, where it's just the way when it comes the way it comes off his hands, you're like, oh no, and then it goes in yeah. some of the time.
1: Now, yeah, I mean, and there are some very inconsistent misses from him now so there's gonna have to be some reworking there but he also you know he doesn't have like he's not like using two hands to to shoot it or anything like that you know it's yeah something
2: else something else i wanted to mention with Kaminga. we talked about his driving and i want to give him a different piece of praise which is there were times when people would say oh all he's doing is driving and all this stuff is like he he's looking and passing off of these as well it's not just tunnel vision barrel through your guy he had a couple of really nice drives and passes to the big he doesn't he gets tunnel vision some of the time but that's that's what makes Kaminga potentially to me a more more interesting three to four year down the line player is that he's already he's already doing the thing which you need NBA players to do I brought this up with Tatum a lot is that once you get the attention you need to convert the attention you get into a good look for someone else because generally speaking that's how the defense responds and I think Kaminga has the pieces in place to do that very well
0: well
1: I would agree with you on that let me see if I had any other notes on him I think his first step is pretty good.
2: Oh, I had one. You brought up the yeah. dunk misses. He had one that he basically tried to dunk in the Toronto game. He basically tried to dunk it flat-footed. I have no idea how he even got close enough to miss it. It was in it was like you you don't it was physically you something you don't see happen.
1: No, I I agree. Uh and he just, you know, his power too. I mean, he just goes through guys, right? He went right through Franz Wagner and RJ Hampton in, in the Orlando game. Um Moses Moody is kind of the anti-Kuminga in some ways. He he's just rock solid. You know, I mean that yep. was kind of my my initial thought. I really, I really him. like him. Yeah, yeah. We'll we well, uh, regale us then.
2: So. I- I think that the the best thing I can say about Moody and remember he's not he's not old either it was a one and done at Arkansas and Moody is he's 19 now this will be his age 19 season is that unlike a lot of young guys he knows what's going on on the floor like offensively and defensively I thought he was a very good communicator I thought he reacted well to what was going on and he so so the the defensive part of it. He just he had had his level of anticipation. He when he's driving, I think he's aware of passing opportunities. He's not necessarily the greatest at creating the extra tension we just talked about with Kaminga, but he is good at understanding where a guy should be coming from and making the pass to that player. And so so if you combine those instincts with, you know, not amazing physical tools, but good enough physical tools, and somebody who has the skill set, you know, like I've been a believer in Moody's jump shot, and I continue to be one. He shot 36% at Arkansas. He shot from three. He shot 37% in summer league, and he was 1.2 points per possession on catch and shoots in summer league. Again, small sample, of course. Like, I I think he can step into a rotation. I don't think his ceiling is crazy high, but we're talking about a six foot six guy who can potentially step into a rotation at 19 years old. A, those players often develop well, and B, you doesn't need to develop crazy well to actually help a team.
1: Yeah, and, you know, a big part of the question with the upside on him is, you know, is he going to be a solid shooter for his position or is he going to be, like, a really good shooter? Uh, You know, I do think he has potentially that ability, um... You know, he has a very slow first step. You know, that's one thing that makes where you're talking about upside again. And this guy's the 14th pick, so you're not expecting a future star. Um, but you know, he's able to get to some spots in mid-range. When he does get to the rim, I think he, he's got more finishing craft than you might expect. He's also a very sneaky offensive rebounder. He just has a knack for showing up where the ball is. I would say on both ends, actually you know, his defensive fundamentals were impressive. Uh, you know, like just one of the little things that you have to learn in the NBA is when guys drive, you have to show both your hands. We'll talk about that a, a lot, because if you put your forearm on the guy, as he's driving, he'll throw, throw up some bullshit and get a foul call on you. And so he shows both of his hands when guys are, are driving. Um, you know, he gets some nice extension around the basket on his finishes, took a nice charge in transition at one point. And It'll be, I think he also eventually can shoot coming off of screens in Steve Kerr's system, but I, I do think he has a chance to at least give them 10 minutes a game off the bench uh, as a, a backup shooting guard, maybe play a little bit more than that early. It, he also kind of has broad shoulders, which makes you think that he could possibly become more of a, a switch guy if, if as he gets stronger, kind of like a Wes Matthews sort of mold. Um, but yeah, I I think he has looked solid. And then Justinian Jessup, we'll talk about him very briefly played in Australia last year. It was, I believe the 51st pick. Correct. In 2020, and he just doesn't have NBA athleticism. He had a couple of moments where he got hot a little bit, you know, hit a couple of setbacks. He's a lefty shooter, but he's not really like a great shooter. He's not just like bombing it, coming off of screens. And, uh, you know, sometimes he'll just try to get over to help and, and know what he's doing, but he just can't get there, can't really affect anybody. His activity level just overall, though, is not, you know, he doesn't play hard enough to where, given his physical profile, uh to where i think he can really make a difference uh so I, he's not someone that i would expect to uh be on the warriors roster this year
2: well someone i would expect to be on the houston rockets roster this <laughs> year is one jalen green the second pick in the draft and i i <sighs> I'll let you do the big picture thing on him because I mean we could both we could both do it but okay we'll start with this we both were really high on Jalen Green we both thought he was not the number one player but could be a potential number one pick in a different draft that didn't have Cade Cunningham at the at the head of the table do you still feel that way uh,
1: the question is whether Cade is no uh, what, what no whether you still
2: yeah. think of like Jalen Green as a potentially worthy number one pick were it a different draft like is he that oh. level of player.
1: Um, yeah, no, absolutely. I I mean, I think there's, he did everything that you could possibly have hoped that he would do. And that step back three pointer, the way he got hot in that Cleveland game in the third quarter was really impressive. He got to the basket, he got to the foul line a ton. Um, Can I I, I do
2: Jalen Green's efficiency stats first, just because they're totally bonkers for a, for a young guy who gave the G League. 28.7 28.7 per 71% true shooting on 27% usage. Also defensive rebounded pretty well. Um interesting Houston team there. And then if you want if you like the counting stats, Green played in 3 games before he, and and that third game was a little cut a little bit short by a hamstring injury, which thankfully doesn't appear to be serious but was serious enough that they didn't want to bring it back in summer league and why would you? He had nothing else to prove. 20 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists per game. He was awesome.
1: Yeah, and twenty-eight points on twenty four possessions as a pick and roll ball handler. I would say that the one disappointment for me if you're going to nitpick was only six assists and I thought that his passing was poor. Um well and he got yeah. he
2: got flustered too. Like that I mean yeah. I mean, who would have expected for Jalen Green to get opportunity doubled against the pistons and but it did well, it did well it. It,
1: opportunity double is probably not the right term. yeah that's opportunity not right double thing. is like if yeah. the guy sucks and you think he's going to turn it right. over if, right. if you double team yeah it. like
2: yeah sorry apologies like Hassan White say
1: sometimes gets opportunity doubled but yeah. um
2: but no he they were just they were just running running doubles at him and, and Jalen Green didn't handle that but I mean the part of what made Jalen Green so intriguing to me before like you know before we saw this was the idea that he had the tools in his box already to be a really creative dynamic off ball primarily like a secondary scorer who's a terror in transition and had the possible building blocks to be an on ball guy to not only create for himself but ideally create for others and yeah the creation for others wasn't wasn't phenomenal in his first summer league but the creation for himself was phenomenal. And I mean he was get you know, so he was getting in, in pick and in pick and roll, he was being he was making guys look silly, he was, he was his athlete, and the biggest thing for me in some ways was that his athleticism completely translated.
1: Oh yeah. I, I mean once he gets going and turns the corner of the room, it, it's really impressive. He, he's gonna be very good in transition. They really played him more as a point guard, he and Josh Christopher kind of shared those duties. You know, early on, you know, John Wall is a bit of a conundrum for Houston, but he will He'll still push the ball and Jalen Green is going to get some stuff that way going back to the passing though this is not something that you'll say very often but he needs to get tougher as a passer like he would kind of when he got double teamed out top he would kind of just like let himself be stood up not get a lot of steam on his passes he'd be kind of like retreating away guys would get hands on the passes he'd just lob some pass up that would get intercepted so you know, getting stronger will help with that. I mean, that's something he'll be fine on that with reps where he's just, he's got to step through hard, throw the pass early over the top. It's just, you know, he hasn't gotten double teamed at half court on pick and roll very often. That was a rarity to see in summer league. And also an indication of how much he was killing it. He's not going to look at this good all the time. And his three-point shooting was completely ridiculous. And some of those step backs were ridiculous, but you just saw what his crazy potential was as a scorer. And, you know, to shoot 53% from three, like, yeah, you know, that's not going to continue. Uh, but, you know, five free throw attempts per game in 24 minutes. He was still able to be really effective in that Pistons game where they did try to take the ball out of his hands as well. So, I mean, and I thought defensively he competed reasonably well. You know, you didn't, you mentioned the rebounding. Like, we didn't see anything where it was like, all right, he's taking plays off or anything like that. Like, he looked like he was competing totally fine out there. You know, certainly it appeared that the time that he spent in the G League really prepared him well, at least for Summer League. So yeah, nothing other than that passing issue, like really nothing bad to say uh, about Jalen Green at all and really looking forward to watching him in this Rockets team play. And another guy I'm really looking forward to watch play is one Alprin Sengun.
2: Yeah, Sengun definitely interesting in Summer League. Uh, 26 PER despite a below average uh, true shooting, 52%. And part of that was that he was an insanely productive rebounder. Sengun averaged four 14 and a half points and 11 rebounds in 25 minutes a game. And the another part of the reason why Shangun was productive, and I think this is a place to potentially start with him, is he gets to the line an absolute ton. And part of it is that he is uh you and Schmitz talked about his flexibility, like that idea when we saw him, you know, warm-ups he's doing the splits and everything like that. One of the ways he uses his flexibility is to whip his neck back faster than almost any big man I've ever seen. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he he does have a good understanding for foul drawing at his age. But also I think just uh, what I'd say about this guy and you know what I'm not sure whether he's going to be able to finish efficiently or not. Well and and you know there are some defensive questions. We'll talk about those. But and he's not the most explosive guy, you know, like he got a hook shot blocked by Evan mobley although he did get it right back and just score on him again. But like his footwork in the post and just his understanding of using angles in the post and creating shots it just was very, very impressive. I mean, about as good as you're gonna see for a big at his his age. I mean, I used to say that summer league post ups are where possessions go to die, and that was not the case for him uh, at all uh, you know I thought he had some moments where he could have finished better but he's able to generate pretty good shots in the post I mean he's just got great spin moves he, he could do something that's very hard for a lot of guys where he can pump fake one direction and then spin move back over the other shoulder into a hook shot the other direction um, now one thing he needs to get better at is finishing on the left side of the basket with his left hand because he's not that explosive and so there are times where he either wouldn't go up or he'd bring the ball back into the defense with his right hand and get blocked uh, around the basket so but you know he does have a, a decent left hand in other respects so I think he can get better there
2: yeah and um, I was impressed with his functional handle like he he sure. likes grabbing and going and he also well, there was a win where he had a drive and a finish against Detroit got the ball at the top of the key created an advantage and, and got all the way downhill and as you said like the athleticism but so handle is one of the connective tissue pieces that can make him move a little bit faster and so you can then that helps that helps a little bit and yeah, still, still trying to figure out what he was going to be defensively. Got some blocks. I mean, three per game. And I would say that overstates his defensive impact. That there were... there were it's He was blocking shots, but he wasn't affecting as many. But I thought the overall defensive stuff on him was better than I anticipated because I was not expecting a ton for a prodigious offensive talent.
1: Yeah, and I think you know he had one play where he came over and I think he blocked an alley-oop at one point that might have been on Mobley I want to say um you know he was better coming over as a help defender where he could load up and jump and he actually can get up a little bit if he can take a step and really jump like he he can have some big dunks at times too I think the idea that he's unathletic might be a little bit overstated now if a ball handler is coming downhill at him and pick and roll you know that that looked pretty bad like Jalen Hands from Cleveland for example like kind of made him look silly around the foul line and and blew past him you know he wasn't able to backpedal and, and stay with him and there are other times where you know if he's kind of a little bit more flat-footed around the rim he's not really able to affect guys he did play center Uh, Pretty much exclusively. I think that's going to be his position. He's a little undersized, but I don't think he's any smaller than someone like Demonis Sabonis, for example. And I think Sabonis is kind of a decent comparison uh, for Shingoon. I think Shingoon can be a better shooter. Um, You know, he gets up a little bit higher as a shot blocker. He doesn't have just like that run you over toughness that Sabonis has. I think he's got some of the same passing potential, although obviously Sabonis is one of the better passing bigs now. So he'll have to change that potential into production. Uh, And you know, he shows some mobility getting out of the floor in pick and roll defense, putting two on the ball at times uh, as well. You know, I think it just in a straight drop coverage, it, it, that's not really going to put him in a position to succeed. And. You're certainly going to have problems with him as your center. You know, it's that there are structural issues there. But I think just his skill level offensively and the production, like I do think he has some pretty good offensive upside, and that's why I I really would have taken him higher. Like he really does have like a magical understanding of how to use his body in the post, and he can face up and drive a little bit too. Like he his offensive skill level is just not something that you see in a big every day, and there are these other limitations. I don't know if you can translate it. I don't know if his jump shot is going to. Come along to where he can kind of set up his drive game as well. I think he's I think he's got decent shooting potential though. So uh, and just a very enjoyable player to watch as well. Maybe he's not going to be that efficient. You know, he wasn't that efficient in summer league, even though he was visually very impressive. He relied a lot on free throw drawing, but uh, like he has a chance to be a really really good player at the offensive end. And I'm not saying that's going to happen, but certainly he did everything you would have hoped for him to do, uh, which we said about a lot of these Rockets guys.
2: Absolutely. Um, we won't talk about. Us- on gruba the twenty-third pick, because he spent a fair portion of summer league recovering from playing for the Spanish national team in Tokyo. He did technically play in three games, but he looked a little bit rusty to me. I actually thought the limited amount I saw of Garuba in Tokyo was better than what he did in summer league. But I mean, considering the the sample, I'm not I'm not particularly concerned. I'm not using it too much for right. my evaluation. But I'm thrilled it, he's that he... also
1: not a guy who's gonna really uh you know do that much right. in summer league offensively. That's gonna make you feel very good. And and you know, some 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 of the defensive stuff that he does, it it works better in a regular season setting. Um, I'm a little worried about his offense, but I think, again, the fact that he's able to play a role in Spain, I feel pretty good about the fact that he'll at least be able to contribute in some fashion for this team.
2: And I'm encouraged that he's coming to the NBA this year. We talked about that weird buyout that he had in Europe, and so that he's going to be a Houston Rocket on a full rookie-scale contract this year. So we're going to have all four of those Rockets rookie-scale guys on the team this year. And the fourth of their four first-round picks was... Josh Christopher, Christopher, you know, had was a talented prospect who then really fell off at Arizona State, and I think we've talked about we've used this kind of phrasing for a couple of different guys, but I think that the people who believe in Christopher got some positive hope, you know, to kind of build from, and then the detractors got theirs too because you know he 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 takes some really bad shots, and those really bad shots did not go in.
1: Yeah, you would hope that early on in his career, that's something that he can cancel out. He was challenged by the coaching staff to really be a defensive. And he has the physical capability to do that. I mean, he is kind of halfway between two and three sized and, but he is strong. I think he can get to be one of the stronger guys at that position and he's got a nice handle. He can create some shots. Not something you're going to want him to do all the time, but he can push it in transition. He can finish at the basket. Certainly, I would say that the positive flashes were more impressive than the overall statistical line.
2: Yeah, I mean, the overall statistical line wasn't fantastic. Uh, Christopher, 48% true shooting on 29% usage. Um, and part of that was actually that Josh Christopher was very inefficient in transition. Part of that was turnovers, but also just, he was seven to 16 on shots in transition and forced a couple, like didn't get all the way to the basket, missed a couple of finishes. Um, but I think some of that will, will clean up in time.
1: And And he also, he also was six out of 33 from downtown, but he got to the foul line a reasonable amount and. 21 assists in five games for the type of player that he is you know that's not bad I mean he maintained that he's more of a guy with the ball in his hands he was asked to play the three at Arizona State and that was kind of a problem Remember, he left Arizona State early but I mean just watching the guy like he looked like someone who belonged out there who was athletically there in the NBA a beautiful reverse dunk in transition for example um with the 24th pick given his age I think he has a chance I think he'll shoot it better from three than 18 percent obviously um yeah, some of the bullshit long twos like that's not going to fly, particularly in Houston, because uh, they maintain a, a pretty strong analytics bent. But a, a guy who I think showed, you know, I like him more than a lot of the guys, or at least based on their summer performance, I like him more than a lot of the guys drafted in that range with the twenty fourth pick.
2: The Rockets also signed Matthew Hurd out of Duke to a two-way. I didn't particularly like what I saw from him, but hopefully he'll look better in other things. But the other player... Yeah, were- I mean,
1: he's he's kind of just like a heavy-legged, unathletic yeah. shooter. He's really like the size of a four, but not being able to protect the room at all. I kind of, you know, he'll be a nice G League player.
2: But you know who did look good? KJ Martin at least at times like his athleticism is just incredible
1: no it really is and you know I had to go back and look at how big he is at like 6'5 and he definitely is a 4 in the NBA but I mean some of the blocks that he had you know if you weren't watching Houston which I'll be candid I wasn't watching a ton of them towards the end of last year once they went into severe tank mode but he'll come over and just get some massive blocks as a help guy now you hope that he could fulfill his help responsibilities a little earlier on some of those plays uh, as well and get there earlier, use some more verticality. Obviously, just a ridiculous finisher in transition as an alley-oop guy. Certainly, that kind of Bruce Brown role that's become more popular. And particularly if, it, uh, you know, little like quick transition slips to the rim uh, out of pick and roll, if the other team is switching, like the, the Etuan Moore play that he first, he was really the, uh, the first guard that I saw do that a lot uh, under Alvin Gentry in New Orleans, uh, where you just kind of run that 21 screen on the sideline and then he'll just slip to the basket right away. I mean, and Martin could be devastating in that role. The three-point shot, uh, for Martin, 5 out of 16 was more aggressive, shooting at sh- shot 4 per game and in a little under 30 minutes per game, so that's a 31%, but took a couple of deep ones, that's going to be a variable for him as well to give him an additional role to play on the offensive end uh, does not really get fouled because it, a lot of it is just speed getting on top of the basket really quickly. I mean, I think this Houston team between Jalen Green and Christopher and John Wall, you know, even Shane Goon can uh, run the lane a little bit. They, uh, Who am I forgetting? There's uh, obviously Martin as well. Like they, they could be really good in transition. They're going to try and run a lot this year. I think they're going to be one of the more exciting teams. I was surprised that they're not a nationalist VM I and they're going to suck. But uh, also, I, I want to throw out uh, Marcus Foster. Just because, uh, and he showed a little bit uh, for them, but it was just awesome that he wore number 48. And I wondered whether that was like to honor Scott Foster. <laughs> <laughs> who also wears number 48 which which was great oh, um,
2: ho- hopefully kelly eco hears this and can answer the can ask this question because we need an answer
1: <laughs> oh, yes we do we absolutely do uh, i i i asked kelly if that was the case So maybe, uh, hopefully i planted the seed maybe i'll have to message him to to really get get an answer uh, to this um But I think that's all we got here, and we got a ton still to get to, but we knocked out some of the the biggest teams so far. This is always a, a lot of fun to do this and kind of just share some opinions, set some expectations for these guys, introduce you to them in a lot of ways. I actually enjoy watching summer league basketball more than regular season NBA basketball sometimes because I just learn more about these players that we're not as familiar with. You get to see them in different roles. You get to see who has the potential. So thanks so much for listening, and uh, we're going to continue on here uh, on this couple days a week schedule. Uh, Really appreciate you continuing to be subscribers. Thanks to everyone who is re-upping, by the way, who started off with that founding membership. Uh, I hope that you all do
0: that, and we'll be back in a few days. We'll talk to you all then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play.